You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram. For daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also, for the podcast, a new sponsor this year that's just come on board and super excited to announce RCB Bank. Since 1936, RCB Bank has offered progressive products and a friendly service. Come in today to find out more about their loan promotion on new used refinance cars, boats, campers, and ATVs. Visit RCB Bank to learn more. RCB Bank, that's my bank. With approved credit, restrictions apply. Now, let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This Is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode down at the Bedford Studio today with Noah Ng. Uh, we've met previously, but not for very long, while I interviewed uh, your wife, Rachel Cannon, which a lot of people would know with, obviously, the recent news of Prairie Surf Media kicking absolute, the you know, absolute rear in Oklahoma City and just doing amazing things for the state. So... I'm sure you're extremely proud, but the story today is about you, not about your wife. Sorry, Rachel, if you're listening, I'll link that podcast down below. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, I guess career musician would be the would be I guess what people see you as. Yeah, um, I've played music all my life. I uh, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Moved out to Hollywood, California, and uh, when I was 18. And just played in bands. I'm mainly a guitar player. Yeah. Um, played in a lot of bands, did a lot of touring, a lot of low-level touring, a lot of small, mid-level touring. Yeah. You know, lots of vans, lots of bands. And um, always did my own thing, but always played with other people. And then that shifted to doing more of my own stuff. And, you know, long story short, now we're here and I play yeah. here and yeah. do it here. So you said grew up in Minneapolis. Yeah. What was that like growing up? You know, it's fun. I was thinking about that on the way over because I feel like everywhere I've lived, uh, people have misconceptions about. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, Minneapolis was a great place to grow up. I grew up in the city, in the southwest southwest part of the city, and it was great. Minneapolis has its share of problems uh, lately, nationally, mm. you know, recognized problems. Um, but uh, it was a great place to grow up. Um, I don't get there back there much often, uh, but all my family is still there. And it was a great place to also grow up playing music too, because I've been doing it since I was like six or seven and, yeah. you know, playing parties with kids and stuff, you know, right. starting it young. So it was, it was a, I loved Minneapolis. I, I have, I've never identified really as a Minnesotan, mm-hmm. you know, you I sound I, like one. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I have a hard time identifying with my geographic location yeah. wherever I am, but, uh, no, I, I've always got a soft spot in my heart for, for yeah. that part of the country, for sure. So predominantly a guitar player. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you get into playing guitar from a young age? Who puts that guitar in your hand? My dad bought his his brother's 1968 Gibson J45, and he bought it from him in 75 for like 400 bucks. Yeah. And he could play a little bit, but he kept it under the bed. And when I was about six, I started taking it out because I liked smelling it. It was the same way with cigars. When I, I like... <laughs> I've always been a big fan of tobacco. Yeah, I love and the smell of it. I can't, I can't smoke it. But unfortunately, I, I, I can you. smoke it. Yeah, you know? and so 
with the guitar, I like to bring it out and smell it. it. Smelled so great. And the same thing, like my my dad doesn't smoke, but he had a he had a friend give him a cigar and he kept it in the cellophane and he put it on the mantle and I would take it down and smell it. Yeah. So it's all kind of smells. Okay. You know, but but I would I learned a couple of chords and I would I would bang on it with a pick and my dad would hold the chords and so I got into it slowly that way. But it, it got real serious when I was about eleven. Okay. It, that was all I did. It, sports were no no longer important or hanging out. I just the the first show I played was the sixth grade dance and I noticed there was a girl dancing. And I was like, well, that's that's, that's sold. It. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> she's dancing because of me, because of the yeah. sound that is coming out of this. Yeah. You know, so that was that was the start for sure. Yeah. And family, brothers, sisters, or are you only child? No, I've got a sister that's 13 months older than me, and I've got a half-sister that's um, about nine yeah. years older. Are they into music as well, or was it just you and your dad? Uh, my sister can play piano, and my mom can play violin. Mm, that's not easy. No. Um, they're really good at reading music. They can't, like, jam out or anything. Sure. I'm the opposite. I'm pretty dyslexic. Just pick it up. And can't read any riff. type yeah, yeah, of music. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, no, no, I'm kind of the only one that ever picked it, picked it up and went with it. Yeah. Yeah. So so you get to a point, you know, you have that moment in sixth grade, and, and you think, okay, like, I want to get better at this, and then... You're reading magazines, watching TV, oh, yeah. and seeing, you know, like you're in, you're like, I, that is my dream now. This yeah. is this is where I'm sad. And someone comes to you, they're like, I'm going to be a musician. Yeah. And it, the funny thing is that I, my parents were kind of way behind the times with technology. I'm 34, but I grew up without the internet for the most part. Sure. And I mean, to, and further than that, we had a black and white TV when I was a kid. So it's yeah. like they were really late. So it was magazines. It was literally going to the... Uh, the library and getting yeah. the the hard rock magazines and yeah. like looking at the pictures, you know. So it was very it was mysterious. That that was one of the things that drew me into it was like you know, first seeing pictures of Zeppelin or something. You're like, this is this is some mysterious yeah. stuff going on here. You know, some black magic I need to right. yeah, be aware yeah. of. <laughs> well, and I guess when you're reading, you know, your imagination's taking you as well, right? So you're building your own kind of narrative and story of what you're seeing pictures of. Oh, like, yeah. This, is, this looks so cool. And, and of they don't, course, you they always don't put see bad the, pictures in magazines. No, today, they so. don't put the picture of someone, you know, sleeping on the floor of a van for right. 10 years before yeah. they made it, you know. Um, but yeah, so you, you definitely get that. A, a, a slice of what what it could be like, and that's what you go with. And yeah, that's what we. Got, that's what got me to California. Was you know, yeah. I was like, well, this is clearly going to be superstardom within. Of course, I'm just going to roll in. So twelve months, sign me. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah, twelve months. <laughs> yeah. So, so when, did you like graduate high school and just just think I'm I'm going I'm gone, or yeah. did you go like play music and? No, like, I, I graduated high like school. Um, what got what got me out to California, there was a little music school out there in Hollywood, and I went, but I only went for about six months, and then dropped out of that, and then just was playing in bands and working mm-hmm. any weird job, restaurant jobs, Yeah. eventually bartended for a long time. So, yeah, but it was, it was just soon after, it was instead of going to college, I, there was no, I hated school. Mm-hmm. So there was no, I, I'd made up in my mind that I didn't want to go to college in about you know, seventh grade. Yeah, I was like, I just got to get through high school. And that's and then that's about free. all I can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I guess when you're in high school, are you playing like local shows and trying to get any kind of gigs? Do you go in a band? Like, how is that? Yeah, we had a band. Uh, we, a band that played that sixth grade dance, and I went to middle school. I, I put together a band, uh, and that band stayed together through the middle of high school. And then I had another band, the last part of high school, mm-hmm. and we played. I mean, you couldn't play bars. 
there was like twice where we were, we were able to play like a bar that was all ages. Yeah. Um, but mostly it was parties and there was a couple of churches around that had basements that you could China, pack yeah. kids into yeah. and, you know, sneak cigarettes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so no, yes. it wasn't, it didn't get to clubs and gig, you know, heavy gigging till I was out in California. Yeah. yeah. So then you hit the road. You're like, I'm, I'm dad and going. Yeah. I'm going to go figure it out. Yeah. And I'm th- I'm thrilled that it didn't work out right away. I mean, it's the best thing yeah. that could ever happen to an 18-year-old is right. to not have that type of... Like, I have to work hard for this, and there's a yeah. lot of people around me that have the same or even insane more talent, too. Yeah, and like, like I mean, geez, it's the same old... In the melting pot s- of California. ...story, too. I mean, there's plenty of, you know, oh, God, you get too much money at that age, you get into drugs, you mm. get this, and then you just burn out. And um, But my trajectory of... What I was playing was the thing that kind of was the big arc uh, that changed. I, I've always been into roots music, mm-hmm. blues and what have you, and ragtime and jump blues and swing, and bebop. Um, but when I moved out to California, I was just playing hard hard rock because I was just I just wanted to be a guitar player. I didn't want to sing. Yeah. And uh, so every band I was in, I was just a guitar player. But I always played that kind of rootsy stuff on my own in the apartment or what in the van or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it wasn't until I got so sick of singers that I started playing my own stuff. And that was, uh, I remember I had my first show that was solo, that was doing my own stuff at a bar on La Brea in Hollywood called the Lava Lounge, which was a tiki bar. Mm-hmm. And I went under the name Sleazy Sam for some reason. <laughs> and it was it was the, my first <clears throat> solo gig, and that was like, that got me going to, I was like, well, I'll just do this now. Because yeah. I, I got sick of the singer that wouldn't even carry his own microphone yeah. during loadout. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm not dealing with these divas. I need to go do my thing. Pretty much. I need to be the diva now. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you come across that name? I can't even remember. No, just like, ah, this rolls. long ago. Rolls off the tongue well. I guess. I must have had a couple drinks and just told him that was my name that night or something. Yeah. (laughs) But so so to that point, with with the genre of music that you play, um, I mean, I don't know many people who play the same genre of music. So I guess you created, you just went into that niche, right? Yeah. And became. And then soon after that was up until now uh, and continuing has been always my my thing is kind of creating mm-hmm. a niche or finding a niche that exists and just going in and finding a way to dominate that. Yeah. And just make it special. Uh, so when we moved to Oklahoma, uh, I was ready to start gigging it. Because by the time we had left California, I was really disenchanted with California. My wife really likes California, and mm-hmm. I just... Get me just, out I just here. ended up not liking it. <laughs> I loved it when I was younger and it was fun, but like to have to raise a family. Yeah, when yeah. we had a kid, it just like the city just became different. And that's nothing against my friends that have kids there. It's just something mm. we wanted just a different place to grow up. And when, when we came here, uh, I kind of it was an opportunity for me to completely start over uh, musically because I was ready to get back to gigging a lot. Mm. And uh, and so I was able to literally look at the scene here and see what I could do that no one else was doing and t- 
tailor make an act that would fit anywhere yeah. from a lounge to a patio show to Jones to right. And so that was my that's what I did, and I kind of created this act and almost to the extent of a bit of a persona, mm-hmm. you know, the mustache came into play. Right. <laughs> you know? And I was like, I'm this I'm just gonna be this guy. Yeah. This is I'm gonna create this this thing and it and it worked. And that first year before COVID, I think we did in the calendar year it was like eighty six dates. Wow. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And it was I mean, to Oklahoma City's credit, it has a great scene and also a great everyone gives you a chance here. Sure. Which is not the same in California, where I was used to no one giving you a chance mm-hmm. for nothing. And here I found that pretty much most places and most people that do booking gave me a chance. Yeah. And I knew pretty, I'm, I'm pretty good at reading a room. I know where I don't fit in. Yeah. And there's been a couple places where I'm like, well, I don't need to play there again. Yeah, but most places I'm like, all right, I can tailor, I can do this. And so it grew very, very quickly here, which was, I mean, it's almost felt like a whole different, mm-hmm. uh, I'd been reborn and doing my thing again. Yeah. yeah, kind of lit a new fire. That's really cool. It, it for sure did. And then, and then at the, the, the absolute pinnacle, uh, COVID happened. Right. Yeah. As soon as I was like, I mean, yeah. the name like is Thursday, getting out Friday, there. You're Saturday. getting phone calls rather than you calling yeah, people. Yeah, I was getting like Thursday, Friday, Saturday every week. Yeah. You know, and uh, and then, yeah, COVID came and, and put a stop to that for a while. Yeah. So that was a bummer, but we're slowly getting back into it now. Good. Yeah. Uh, back to, I guess, being in California. How'd you and Rachel meet? Oh. I don't think she told this story. She probably she probably didn't, and I'm gonna have to keep it brief because she because she always says I mess up the story. Well, uh, she's not here, so you can say what you want. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't think she'll have time to listen to this either. So. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> so uh, when I was bartending, well, this was actually right before I started bartending. Um, I was hanging out at a place in Hollywood, and let me preface Hollywood with my Hollywood is dirty and grimy mm-hmm. and. Bukowski's Hollywood. That's yeah. my Hollywood. Right. Um, there's a lot of people who've never been to Hollywood, and they get the complete. They think everything's Beverly Hills. Right. And have you ever been? Yeah, mansions, and, and that's it. And then you get a little, little bit outside, and, and you it's, get right. And because like Hollywood to me means, and this isn't going to make any difference to people that have never been there, but Hollywood to me is La Brea to Highland and Franklin to Santa Monica this box mm-hmm. and it's dirty and disgusting and you have to carry a knife and it, it, it like it's just rough yeah you know i remember to, to that point that's why rachel said she got into kickboxing yeah and rachel kickboxed she trained at the roughest yeah. gym yeah she told town. that story on the podcast you know so right in that neighborhood there was a place which is not there anymore because hollywood has changed so much called the Piano Bar, and it was on Selma, right between Sunset and Hollywood, and it was this glorious dive, dive-ish, mm-hmm. dive-adjacent bar yeah. that, that had music, live music seven nights a week, and um, it was a residency bar, so all the same act played, you know, and so I ended up being a residency there on Thursdays for, I, I don't even know how many years, um, but I had a buddy that, was pl- that played every Sunday, and he was friends with a guy that went to school, went to school with Rachel here mm-hmm. at OU. And 
he had moved out to California a little bit before Rachel had. And uh, I started sitting in with this guy because we really got along and he played, you know, roots music. And I would sit in playing lap steel or guitar. And uh, we met there at that bar briefly. And the funny thing was there was a, another friend of a friend was a photographer and he had done a photo shoot with Rachel. And this is before we met. And then he did a photo shoot with me which I don't like, normally do photos. You don't strike shoots. me as the person that says, I need a new headshot no, this year. No, yeah, yeah. But he literally, <laughs> he was a friend of a friend. He's like, hey, man, can I do some pictures? You know, I'm like, sure, whatever. Yeah. Can I drink while we do it? And, uh, and so he shot those and a, a week apart. And I had seen him at the bar, and, he was, and Rachel was there too, and he was showing her, I think this is how it went, yeah. was he was showing her the pictures and he had shown her my picture and she asked who that was. And then I literally had walked in the bar and he was like, Oh, this is the, yeah. and we didn't really talk too much then, but then I, I had, a I invited her to a barbecue at my friend's house, which she, this is the story that she always tells, uh, that was, I, I, I had a friend tell her that it was my producer's house in the Hollywood Hills, which was technically true because my friend produced music yeah. and he lived on a hill yeah. in Studio City. But it's not what you're thinking. Like, not what everyone else is listening. It's like, this is a mansion, looks over LA, it's beautiful, it's 8,000 yeah. you know, million square feet. No, this was a rundown piece of garbage. <laughs> and my friend had just bought it and like he was like literally trying to refinish the floors with a, yeah. with a toothbrush. And so Rachel had agreed to come over and she came over at the time she drove a red Mustang and she came over with her Mustang and a uh, bottle of champagne and uh, and she had a bikini with her mm-hmm. and there's no pool and she quickly realized it was just like a couple dudes grilling hot dogs <laughs> you know am I getting catfished here and then but then we ended up talking all night and uh, then that was kind of it the mm. next the next day we hung out too, and then that's what we consider our dating yeah. anniversary. Which so, was been recently ten years. Yeah, ten years ago. Yeah. So it was very. It was just one of those bar LA stories that actually worked. Right. You know, and you know we've we both kind of feel this way, and we've had other friends that are <clears throat> have a little sixth sense mm-hmm. uh, that. You know, this is like our seventh or eighth time together in the history of like, you know, millions of years. Right. In some way or another. Yeah. You know, we can't get rid of each other. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, that was that right off the bat. And then, you know, the rest is the way. Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. So if it, I mean, if it wasn't for you saying, hey, I'm going to my producer's house in the hills, I'm not enticed to come hang if out. I hadn't just been lying. <laughs> See, lying gets you somewhere sometimes. Gets you an opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. Life lesson for the kids listening here. <laughs> uh, so, so back then, then to Oklahoma, you're playing shows. Yeah. Um, it gets to, I guess, COVID times. Uh-huh. Um, and then you just, you have a studio in the garage and you I, just go into the, into the studio and think, what can I do now? Well, what I did right when we shut down um, was I started a series on Facebook Live called Garage with a Cause. Mm-hmm. And each... I think I was doing it every Friday 
and I did it for 10 Fridays, and each time I raised money for a different bar staff, yeah. of the venue that I would have that I had to cancel. Yeah, yeah. Because like I remember when it start when it started happening, and I just canceled. I had to cancel like 20. Literally everything. Yeah, yeah. It was like 20 or something fell off my calendar. And um, being a bartender, you know, I had been a bartender before. Right. I knew that this, this was going to suck a lot more for them than anyone else. So yeah, yeah. I started doing those, and uh, that was that raised some money. Uh, but then after I finished those and kind of, you know, 10 weeks had gone by, and I'm like, well, I just don't know when this is going to—I stopped playing guitar altogether. Yeah. For like, It was the first time in a pretty much ever that I just put down the guitar. I didn't pick it up for about six months. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I was just, you know, pissed off like everyone else. Right, yeah. Like, I got to figure something out. I don't want to look at it. Because yeah, it reminds so, me of going to play and I can't do that. Yeah, but then I started recording a little bit and then I started, uh, you know, playing more ukulele, which is get it, what gets into the this mm-hmm. new weird project that we can talk yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. Well, about the ukulele. When I, yeah, when I, I started, I, I've always had ukuleles around. We've got like five or six at the house. And, um, I started banging on it and just learning my whole set, which is about 90 songs that are in our set. Yeah. And uh, I just started learning the set on ukulele and having fun with it. And I started writing. And I hadn't really written. I- I'm not a prolific songwriter. And I know I'm not because I have friends that are. You know what I mean? <laughs> but when I get down to it, I can you know do some work if I need to. But um, I started writing. And... Uh, and there's another thing that I kind of meticulously planned. I, I realized that ukulele sales had spiked during COVID. Okay. Everyone wanted to learn the ukulele. Sure, yeah. So ukulele has historically had these funny spikes. It's a very funny instrument, and like the popularity of it has gone up and down. Is it quite easy to play? Like for someone starting out, it's like, yeah. I'm going to go learn this. It's yeah, easy. Sure. It's, it's, it's easy to learn to like around. five chords. Got you. And that's all you, you really only need four chords to play pretty much any pop song that's ever been written. Yeah. Um, but I started messing around with it and my guitar muscle memory worked for it. So I became very pretty proficient at it. And then, so I decided I was going to start, it started what it was going to be a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I've got a friend out in the East Coast that is a super successful YouTuber. Like, I think he's closing in on 300,000 subscribers, and he does great. And uh, I've been a guest on his show before. and and, um, That world's crazy, isn't it? It's nuts. And, like, if you told him, he would have been doing this for a living. He's got four boys, and he supports his entire family off this YouTube channel. Yeah, off his own TV show. Yeah, it's nuts, you know? And... uh, so, you know, I, I'm not that great with technology, but I was like, all right, I'm going to try my hand at some content. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, I, I decided I would dress in a suit again and I'd play ukulele, but I wasn't going to use my name because I hated my name. I, I didn't want anything, you know, I was sick of doing my thing. I was like, yeah. this is going to be called Uke in a Suit. And it's going to, you know, kind of went Just back to being stories. 18. I was like, yeah. this is going to blow up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is yeah. This is my ticket. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My ticket is ukulele. Yeah. I remember telling Rachel when I started, I was like, "You can probably retire." <laughs> uh, yeah. This movie business thing. Ah, it's you know, this is going to be pennies compared to the stuff that Seriously, we're bringing yeah, in from exactly, my uke. Exactly. Yeah. Four strings and a cloud of dust. So. <laughs> <And a suit. laughs> So I, I, I started, and I got no traction on YouTube. I don't understand how YouTube works. And my friend that that is successful on it has no right. idea how YouTube works. Yeah. And um, 
But all I know is it wasn't working. So I was like, well, I'll start an Instagram page. Mm-hmm. That ended up starting to work, and I've only been doing it a couple months, and we're, we'll get about 2,000 followers yeah. in a couple more weeks. And uh, and I started putting, so I started writing more, and I started putting an album together for mm-hmm. it. And uh, and so I finished that. I and, and you know, and the world's crazy too. I, f- I found the guy to do the artwork on Instagram. Yeah, this kid in Detroit did an amazing job with this like mid-century style. That I sent it to you. Yeah, and um, and I and and then to even take that further, what's cool about you know, a lot of people will say about the music business is like, it's a great, it's great that it crashed because all the power is in the artist hand. Yeah. And that's true to an extent, but, you know, you're never going to get an A&R guy taking a chance on you or giving mm-hmm. you an advance or right. really letting you make an album. The real gatekeepers are still pretty much there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, you, you know, there you can do it on your own. It's just not as it's you know is what it is. Yeah. But um, where was I going with this? Making social a, media, making social it. media. So uh, I reached out, and I don't want to say who this guy is because nothing's come to fruition of it yet. Um, but there's this guy that owns a small record label, and uh, he puts out a couple acts I really like, mm-hmm. and um, I found him on Instagram. And I sent him a message as you can suit without breaking character yeah. and like saying stuff like, I noticed that your label is dangerously low on ragtime ukulele yeah. material. <laughs> and I ended up getting him on the phone. That's brilliant. You know? Yeah. And he was like, I sent him some stuff. First, he gave me his email address. I sent him some stuff. And I still didn't break character. I was right. like, this is the this thing. This is the thing. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> and I then finally, him. he was like, I want to get you on the phone and like, figure out if you're as weird are you a real human being (laughs) or are you just some character so we chatted and like by no means did it end up with like uh, an offering of a lucrative deal but it ended up with a new relationship and someone that I now continuously send demos to and so it's just in in that sense that's what I like about social media and what's happened with the music business Um, but then again you're also there's no more rock and roll bands Correct. There's none. Yeah. You know, the last big rock and roll band after the after the uh, garage rock revival with mm. uh, Black Keys, White Stripes, yeah. uh, Hives, you know. Yeah. Uh, there was like Velvet Revolver. Mm. I that, listened to a lot of Royal Blood. Did you listen to them? Royal Blood. They're, they're kind great. of coming back, right? But also they've got a bit pop recently with some of their new They're new very stuff. polished. Yeah. Yeah, like even that, that first... Uh, First the, album, the figure right? it, it out the, song. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. My kid loved that. Yeah, song. that was the was it the Entourage theme for a while. I think I the movie. I think the Entourage movie. It was like the song right at the start. Probably. Yeah. But 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 they're very polished. Yeah. Like they're they're not rough. It's just the two edges. of them. Yeah, um, and yeah. someone is behind the scenes. Yeah. You know. Doing yeah. Uh, but but I like that stuff. But there's no guitar. Right. And there's like there's no guitar players anymore. And I, and I, guitar is funny. Like I love guitar. But I don't think about guitar ever. Sure. I've got friends that are in successful bands and that are like really well-known guitar players. And they're like the kind of guys that like, 
uh, what I don't, I don't want to say anything offensive. They're the kind of guys that would get super excited about yeah. guitar. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. they just can't get enough of it. And they right. look through the magazines and everything's guitar. And it's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, this is the best instrument in the world. And I'm and like, I'm not, I just you know. play it. Yeah. And it's just something yeah. I've always It's a done. tool for you. It's, it's a not, tool. Yeah. And it's always been a tool to be yeah. social, to meet people, to make some money here and there. And, uh, but I did notice that, yeah, the, that was the last time that there, there's no guitar heroes anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you've got no Seven Nation, Nation Army and like right. none and of Jack that coming White, in, like, Jack was, White kicking ass and stuff. And Jack White, like, by all figures of the word, is not a guitar hero. Right. He's also, he's just, he's someone that had his own voice with singing and playing guitar. Yeah. And he just made it work. Great and Meg was pretty basic drummer too, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. and like, it just worked. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But at least he played. There was guitar solo. Yeah, you know. But like, one of my favorite bands is Queens of the Stone Age, mm-hmm. and Josh Hame has some of the most interesting guitar playing. And there's guitar solos. Yeah, but it's like it's very weird, you know. So like the slashes are all gone. Right. You know, the Billy yeah. Gibbons are all that's gone. That's why I, I love, like, the blues side of things, right? Because um, depending on when, what time this goes out, in a few weeks while we're recording, Jackie Benson's coming to town playing at Tower. Oh, nice. And I met her. I didn't meet her. I mean, I saw her first because she opened for Gary Clark Jr. in Tulsa two, three years ago. Cool. And now yeah. she's finally on her own. Nice. And she, I think, went to, like, some East kind of East Coast school you know, classical music sure. place and picked up a guitar and was like, I'm not going to play piano. I'm going to go play the blues. And now she crushes it. And obviously yeah. Gary Clark Jr. is amazing too. Oh, yeah. So I listen to a lot of them. I get like, obviously he solos, but yeah. it's the blues genre. It's not rock and roll. And like, it's Texas. It's, like, yeah, like Gary Clark was like brought up by uh, Jimmy Vaughn. Yeah. Was like his surrogate mm-hmm. dad, you know, pretty much. Like they were bringing Gary up to play at uh, Antones and mm. all those places as a young kid and that, yeah, the blues, I mean, that's a whole conversation we could have is about the blues because there's, yeah. <laughs> I feel like every city has a blues society, mm. um, but that's not the blues that gets me excited. Right. You know, like. Do you the, like the older kind of World War II style, like sure. John, is it Glenn Miller stuff? Yeah, like I the love. the swing band stuff? Sh- yes, I, I like it all. Like anything from Delta, anything from Delta blues, Piedmont blues, country blues. You know, obviously, when I, I think when I was 18 or 19, I started really getting into that stuff. So mm-hmm. I did my, I went down the Robert Johnson hole, went down the Sun House hole, and all the blind guys, Blind Wheel right. Mattel, yeah, yeah. You know, Blind Boy Fuller. Uh, and then anyone that, you know, I always say, like, with blues, I, I'd rather hear John Lee Hooker like bang on one chord Damn. for an entire song than listen to Joe Bonamassa right. play a four-hour solo of the yeah. most technically prowessed right. thing ever. Yeah. I'd rather hear someone just really beat on something, you know? So that's what I love about, like, there's labels like Fat Possum, if you've ever heard of them. Uh-huh. And their tagline literally is, not the same old blues crap. Okay, yeah. And they put out stuff like Bob Log the Third and um, a bunch of avant-garde. It's almost like blues, punk, trash blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of slide playing, a lot of bottleneck slide playing. Um, But like I was saying, like every every city has a blues scene and and it's usually, you go to one of those nights and all you hear is Red House, going down. Uh, What else do you hear? Um, 
you know, there's like four songs you hear over right. Home Sweet Home Chicago. Yeah. You know, and I think the guy that does it best that's still doing it is Buddy Guy uh-huh. because he plays funny. Right. Like he'll bend a note the wrong way and he'll just stare at you yeah. and just make you take it. You know, <laughs> instead of play His the music most. instructor or some music, some music instructor or professor is screaming at him. It's yeah, like, yeah, this exactly. is not what I'm teaching anyone exactly. in class. But he's I mean, it like, work. that's the great thing about music, though, isn't it? It's like if it resonates with you, yeah, or somebody, then totally. go do it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's what's great about guitars. Like, no one sounds the same. Yeah. And if you do, like, and that's your thing and that's what works for you, great. Yeah. I've always, it's a hard instrument to find your voice with. I feel like I don't have a specific uh-huh. guitar voice, but I do like to have fun with it. Right. And I'm not afraid to play a wrong note on purpose and then and wing, see if and, someone catches it. Which they usually don't. Yeah. But my drummer will be like, what was that? I'm like, ah, right. so you're paying attention. Someone's paying attention. I'll pay you. Yeah. I'll pay you tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I think the first time I saw, uh, so in the UK, usually like, uh, New Year's Eve, Jules Holland throws a huge New Year's Eve kind of TV Fantastic show. Fantastic yeah. piano player. Right. So I remember too. watching that one, because they obviously they pre-record it, don't they, and mm-hmm. play it New Year's Eve. And C6 Steve was on there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, who is this guy tapping a box yeah. with three strings on a guitar yeah. and a plank of two by four? Yeah. Like, that, that's probably like so that's five, good, six years that's ago. That's a good example of like what is on Fat Possum. It's like okay, stuff like that. I don't think like Steve that. is. But it's that. But it's type. that stuff. Yeah. So you should look into it if you like okay. that stuff. Because I remember when he came out and I was just like, I knew two things. I knew that like, because he was homeless, right? Yeah, but well, that like, was his act. The, yeah, you don't you don't really know, right? Like, and the, and I do know that he ended up like not answering questions about it after a while. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. heard from because he's from Seattle, and I heard from some guys that he was like it's a successful act. like like record producer or something. <laughs> You know, yeah. like he like for sure, like maybe you know, we've all been on a train. Of course. You know. Yeah. But he's just like, I'm, you know, the hobo low and all these songs he's talking about. I'm just like. I'm just not quite sure. And he's got the dress and the John Deere hat. But it's a great looks, act. It's oh, a it's great a act. fantastic act. And no yeah. one's going to, you know, like that's like the thing with my act. Like I, I want people to think that I could, you know, beat him in a dice game. Right. In, around the act. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, my yeah. goal with my mm-hmm. act is that it's like this slick, weird Dangerous, yeah, but funny dude, right? You know, and I think it comes across that way. It, it, but it's comical too. Like I'm, a, I'm aware of how funny it is sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> you know? which that's the thing is because it makes it interesting and it makes you want to come back and create new songs, create new stories, and just have fun with it. Around because if that. it was stale and you'd be like, oh, it was just yeah. something that I've done and is boring, and I can't wait to dive into the next project. Yeah, because now it's become a thing. Yeah, it's almost like writing for a different person. Yeah, because it doesn't have to be about me. If you listen to any of my tunes, like none of it's serious. Yeah, it all boils down to either strutting, drinking, yeah, having a good time, or a car. Yeah. I mean, that's like I don't stray away from many yeah. <laughs> subjects. Yeah, and so it's easy to write for it, you know. And and the 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 stuff we play is it's in a specific. It has a specific sound, so it's not every time I write a song, we don't have to reinvent mm-hmm. the wheel. We don't even my band doesn't even rehearse. Yeah, I tell them we're doing a, a well one set one two six five in A, and there's two breaks. Yeah, and we we'll like, usually right, just get go. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's good to have that that relationship and and 
did, were these people that, that you have in the band people that you just kind of like found when you came back to town or were they people that you kind of already had mutual relationships no, with no I, I didn't really know anyone here when yeah. we moved here and my wife didn't really she was gone yeah. Rachel was gone for 20 years uh, I found it was luck I well I the, the guy across the street from me Justin Wallace he plays in a band called the Flannels there's a 90s cover band here mm-hmm. and they're great and he and he started introducing me to people, and um, he introduced me to his drummer, who I used for one gig. It didn't work out, and but his drummer was like, "Hey, I know this isn't working out, but I've got like six guys you can talk to." Yeah. And I'm like, "I love Oklahoma." Right? <laughs> yeah, he's not like screaming at you, throwing his sticks at you, telling you never yeah. wants to see you again. And I only use a guy with brushes and a snare drum. That's all I want, and that's a whole different. Yeah, I'll tell you that in a second. But so I, I found I, I found two guys I work with all the time, and if I have to sub a drummer out I have a couple backups but yeah. my drummer James Wyrick lives in Norman and my I, I met him through that phone call through that mm-hmm. other drummer and then my bass player works at Guitar Center yeah I like I walked in there to get some strings and like right when I moved here and I was chatting with him and he was like oh what kind of stuff do you play and I gave him a little rundown he's like I can do that I play upright bass yeah. and I'm like can you? You're like, yeah. This okay. is like weird stuff. Yeah. You know, he's like, no, 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 I got it. And so he came to a gig. He came and watched me. And uh, just with me and a drummer. And he's like, yeah, I'll be at the next one. I got this. Really? And then he was just great. Yeah. And he's, um, you know, great personality too. Fun guy to do gigs with. Um, but yeah, I just found those guys. And because we just do a trio and it works great. Yeah. You know, the, the reason why I have just a snare drum and brushes is because, like, remember when I got sick of singers? I also got sick of drummers. <laughs> yeah. And I had this on-running gig uh, in L.A., the, the same bar that I met my wife at, and we played at 10 o'clock every Thursday. Mm-hmm. 10 o'clock. You set your watch to it. Yeah. And my drummer would show up at 9.59 every week and set up his stuff, and we'd start five minutes late. <laughs> And so when we moved here, because like we'd been, I'd been playing with him so long, I, we, I couldn't fire him. Right, yeah. And so when we moved here, I was like, that was one of the things I very meticulously planned was like rules. Timing. Yeah, yeah. rules of the band. This is, this is what you get paid. Mm-hmm. This is like you have to show up 15 minutes early, and you can only bring one drum. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's the way it is. Yeah. It sounds good. It doesn't sound like it's missing anything. When we play the lounges, like it's fun. But we all, we've also done we've also done a couple like showcase sets at Pony Boy, mm-hmm. opening up for some people. It's a great spot. Isn't it's it? a great spot, and like it works there too. Yeah, you know, it works everywhere yeah. by design. I can't wait to get back there. I'm actually supposed to grab a drink with Chad Whitehead yeah. in a couple weeks, so I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, I was, I was speaking to him yesterday because he was talking. He posted talking about Jackie coming to town, and and I was just like, I can't wait for this. It'd be there awesome, you, you know, to actually go to a show. Make sure you got. I think they're doing tables. Yeah, we got two. Town. Yeah, we got table. Nice. Yeah, good. tower. And he and he said, I'm not quite sure if anyone's ready to come to it yet. I'm like, well, I don't care. I, they I, are. I mean, I'm sure they are. They go to the. I mean, Wayne had bunch of people in the bubble thing recently, didn't yeah. he? Like that well, whole thing. And then and, also like, <laughs> Oklahoma's opened back up from COVID May first. Yeah. I know plenty of bars that were at full capacity right. May 1st. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that didn't care. Yeah. And that's their prerogative. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say anything about it. Yeah. I just People didn't hang want out to at go bars out. for a yeah. long time. Um, but Tower, yeah, they are, yeah. those guys 
care about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I know that it's like 200 capacity or something. Something like that, yeah. I saw the floor plan, and we just got to scrap the table. Which two sucks and if you're the artist. Oh, if you're okay, a yeah. touring artist yeah. and you're missing out, because what is the capacity there, eight? Yeah. yeah. You're missing out on 600 $30 yeah. And tickets. the ticket was cheap, too. Like, yeah. when I bought the ticket, it didn't say that it just gave me one barcode, not two. Uh-huh. And and I was like, I bought a table for two. I only sat with some random. Like, yeah. And I called them. They're like, oh, no, you have one ticket for the table of two. And I was like, it was nothing. Yeah. Like, okay, great. And I was prepared to, yeah. like, pay again to make sure I got it, you and know? It's like I'm, I've got so many friends that are, like, mid-level touring acts mm-hmm. that they were making a living. Yeah. Doing fine. Playing those type of rooms, five to eight hundred, yeah, yeah. and like they're like, I can't even go out. No. I can't tour. It's crazy. Like I could, I can do dive bars, but then like the dive bars aren't being safe, and yeah. like they aren't doing anything. They're just hustling and selling lessons online and trying to make new records. I yeah. feel terrible for them. I mean, you know, it's not a fun spot to be in, is it? No, music has always been a fun hustle for me, and there have been times where I've made more doing it. But it's, I mean, honestly, it's never been. Uh, Mine or my family's main income. Yeah. Um, we're lucky to have other things we do. Uh, but it's when when COVID, it, luckily for, for us, it, we missed because that, that year I you mm-hmm. know, was able to make a little, little bit of yeah. money. And we missed having it, but uh, right. it, it didn't kill us to not gig. And it yeah, killed yeah. a lot of my friends to not gig. Yeah. So, so to that point, things are opening up. You're playing more shows. You know, yeah. you've been out at Chisholm Creek. You you go and mm-hmm. play in the, the the cigar bar soon, and, and yeah. played at Jones as well. Mm-hmm. Excited to get back out there and start. You know, people coming out, hanging out, and yeah. being on the patio. And I'm stuff looking like that. forward to it. Uh, Burn is where we're at on April 10th, mm-hmm. uh, and I always look forward to that. We'll, we'll start playing there again once a month. We just haven't picked. The Saturday it's going to yeah. be yet because we were every second Saturday, um, but we'll be there once a month. And then my patio seasons, we'll be at Sidecar. Mm-hmm. Um, Great patio. Yeah, we'll we'll be there once a month starting. I think it's June. I think yeah, we're June, July, August, September there. And then so I'm hoping to have a really big, uh, busy patio season, and then hit the hit the indoor shows in the fall and winter, mm-hmm. and then just kind of get see how it goes. It. But I don't know how much I don't know how busy it'll. I th- I hope to be back to doing every Friday Saturday it would be yeah. nice. Yeah, you know? you'd be content doing Friday Saturdays. Like that's yeah, I mean you really can't do much else in the down season. Yeah, like with the patio shows, like there's more days to do it. But right during all of the times, like it's usually Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But yeah, as far as you know, as far as playing, yeah, I think when we were getting really busy. That first year before COVID, it was an ego thing too. Like mm-hmm. I was just like, I was like, how busy can I get? Yeah, I want to be the guy. I got to be the busiest guy. Yeah. And and when COVID hit, like, eventually, you know, when I was just getting depressed, like everyone else was, I just kind of had to. Yeah, I, I wasn't raised a religious person, mm-hmm. but I had to get hip to some Eastern philosophy pretty good yeah. to get myself through it. I right. kind of dove into that, you know, and look was able to look back really quickly at that year of getting really busy and realize how much of it was ego. <laughs> <laughs> like I have taken the persona to a new level. So like yeah. getting back into it, 
I don't have that much anymore. Yeah, you don't have, need, don't have the need to have that fix, I, I guess. Yeah, right? because I get it other ways. Sure. And, and I, you know, it was, a, it was a weird year, and that was one of my big lessons was, like, <coughs> identity and mm-hmm. and dropping some ego. And so I, I don't. I don't really have a number of how many dates I want yeah. this year. Which is probably a great way to come into it, right? Because if it, you know, if something does happen and it does kick off and it gets busier and busier, you're like, great, you welcome it. It's not yeah. like I need this. I need to go out there. And, yeah. you, you, you and know, it's and also like how busy could I get here in Oklahoma City? Right. And, I, and the answer is as much as I want to, yeah. to play. But like it, in, my, in the stage of my career right now and having a young child, mm-hmm. uh, like, I, I, there's nothing on my radar about going even to Tulsa and playing Yeah, a show. yeah. Like maybe next year. Right. But like th- the thought of trying to improve my imprint in the tri-state area yeah. doesn't really concern me now. Yeah. Because like to get out of town, I need, you know, they, you know, they need to pay me a right. lot more. Yeah, yeah, of course. But no one knows me out of town. Yeah. So like, what am I, hey, hey take Kansas a chance City. On you. Hey, yeah. Kansas City. I need $2,500 yeah. to come play and you don't yeah. know who you I am. You have never heard me before. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't. So I, I'm content just playing locally and I'll, I, with recording, I'll record some projects, but the, the funny, that's evolving so much. No one's buying CDs. Yeah. CDs are gone. Right. Which used to be every the, band's bread yeah. and butter. Yeah, the They're thing. They're cheap to make. Yeah. You you could charge ten dollars, which was like a thousand dollar mark or a thousand percent markup, and now I cannot give them away. Yeah, someone will come up and put a twenty dollar bill in our tip jar at a show, and I'll be like, "Take two CDs," and they're like, "I don't have anywhere to put." Yeah, (laughs) what am I gonna? And then what am I gonna do? Like, it's gonna become a coaster on my coffee table. Like, what do I have to do? Print vinyl, right? For the one guy in the audience that has that's a vinyl head. Yeah. I'm not, I could, and it's incredibly expensive to run a, you know, do a run of vinyl. Oh, I'd sure. love to have it. Yeah, just to have one on the wall that says, ego. Hey, this is me. I'd ego. love to have a cover art from that guy did for you, exactly. right? That part I of want it. that one to or be, a poster I, or whatever. I do want that one to somehow get pressed with vinyl. Yeah. But I don't know how that's going to happen. But um, yeah, it's nuts. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll do recording projects. You know, I release stuff on Bandcamp here and mm-hmm. there. But. Uh, I don't know. It's funny. Yeah. I'm just happy playing. It's exciting. Right it's, yeah. it's good. Like I mean, things are opening up again into summer. You got a bunch of stuff coming yeah, on. And so it's come nice see to, me yeah. any anytime we're playing. Uh, just you can find me on Facebook if you haven't already, and mm-hmm. that's pretty much where I tell people I play. Yeah. yeah. So just at Noah Ang on Facebook. Uh, yeah, if you just search Noah Ang, you'll yeah. find me there. And then at, on Instagram at you can suit. Yeah, well. I'm also on Instagram under my own name, but um, yeah. Yeah, you can a suit. You can go check that out. It's a fun project. Just don't tell people it's me. Because <laughs> the funny thing about that, the audience on that it's is totally different. Is that uh, it's international? Yeah, it's great because it's a blank canvas right. of Instagram. hashtags worldwide. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So like, I've got pl- like a ton of people in Spain. That's awesome. That are like, I love this. You're like, come, come on to over. Spain. <laughs> and like, I get messages all the time. And it, Ego. Right. Like, babe, we're going to Spain. Come to the UK. Yeah. Come to Australia. Come to this. And I'm like, man, if I could just come to play for you, yeah, that'd be, that'd great. be great. You get one phone call. Why the guy's you, like, I'll give you money. Why, why don't, don't you get 800 of your friends? <laughs> 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 yeah. Hey, but it's possible. Yeah, you know, why it takes, not? It takes I one mean, I, I've been laughing at it because it's like the it's it's gaining this 
this funny little popularity yeah. that, that I I can't that I haven't been able to do on my own mm-hmm. on social media. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because like people aren't uh, intimidated by ukulele. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they like, see it as a comedy and they see the actors yeah, here's like, some oh, fun this is content. Kind of cool. Yeah. You know, so awesome. we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> I, have no, I have no idea what's going to happen. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, mate, I appreciate you coming down. Appreciate Absolutely. you driving in and, and coming on the podcast. Thanks for having uh, me. For everyone listening, I'll post the links down in the description so you can see that and go to Noah's page and come see some of his dates and then go check him out. I love it. I'll come say hi. Will do. All right. Thanks for everyone listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also, huge shout out to RCB Bank for jumping on board to be a sponsor. RCB Bank's loan promotion is here for a limited time. Head into any of their 40 Oklahoma locations to get as low as 1.79 APR on your next car, boat, camper, or ATV. Apply online at rcbbank.com. RCB Bank, that's my bank. Rate and finance with approved credit. Restrictions apply at member FDIC. Huge shout out to my sponsors. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.